powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane and Australia. It's episode 86 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we look back at the musicians who passed away in 2022 and celebrate their music. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco that has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double Age 12-year vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, the Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary line, Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo at 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And uh, we want to mention Tobacco Area USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Area USA, great things are happening here. And of course, we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of the cigars of Cuba, it's a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. In 2000, they successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with JRE Tobacco, who and his son Husto bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Classic, and each represent the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox. This is episode 86. We are in the year 2023, uh, the month of January. Will Cooper, I'm in the Perdomo Scott Studios here on the Black Stage. And I'm joined uh, around the world by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. Nice to see you, sir. Nice to see you as well. Um, I know you're enjoying some of the balmy weather that's about to hit your way. Oh, yeah. How uh, How's the weather there? I had to move. If people notice the background, if they're seeing this on YouTube or whatever. Background's a bit different because I had to move to a different chair on the veranda. Because the sun just too intense. Need to get yeah. some shade. Yeah. Um. You know, we're in the, we're in in Carolina winters are 
Carolina winters and you know where we are it's probably a typical 50-ish degree winter day for us um and you know the needle can go up or down this we have big temperature variance this time of the year you know we had some temperatures in the 60s earlier in the week and you know a couple weeks ago we were down to nine degrees so winter is kind of a little strange here we haven't had any snow yet um, but actually, you know, it's, a, it's, it's for a winter day in the North Carolina, a nice Sunday, it's a nice sunny day, excuse me. Can't complain today. Oh, that's good. Yeah. What? I have to try and figure out what the temperature is here today. It is a, Do-do-do. let's have a look here, Coop. Cause it's probably close to, um, yeah. So it's probably like. Oh, it's going to get to like 90 some, 92 maybe today. Wow. Right now at uh, 8.15 in the morning, it's probably like 85. Oh, wow. But once so you... it's it's all it's all about the sun. Once you get out of that sun, it's not that bad. Yep. Yeah, no, it, it uh, you know, it was interesting because when I was in Minnesota, I commented to Matt and Garrett. I said, I haven't seen any sun out, right? And they go, mm. they go. That's why it's been so warm. They said actually, when the sun comes out, it usually means they have a cold streak coming through. Is what they said. Right. So I was like, yeah, I hardly saw any sun up there. It was kind of weird. You know, it popped through occasionally, but that was about it. Right. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, uh... no. Well, there, there, their weather's been all over the place. Like it was minus thirty when I was there, and now it's like yeah, thirty. Or like it just goes. It's just been all over the shop. Right, right. Even the surgeons had crazy weather. I, I was, uh, I, I ended up doing the Zoom with John last night. He, although he was indoors, he said the weather was pretty good up there. Mm. So, so, uh, and um, so uh, I know he. I know we're gonna try to all get together for Zoom next Friday. So hopefully that works out. But, uh, but he was doing good. I hadn't done that with him in a while. So we just caught up. Well, on a, uh, a little, uh, a little shout out to surgeon. The next family trip is looking like it might go Canada, U.S. Whoa! So in a couple of years, might uh, might head up to uh, see the conscious Canadian. Wow, that would be cool. You so know, that's that something. There. That's something. Actually, at some point, I want to go up to. I, the problem is, I get to see John other times of the year, right? Uh, yeah, but right. at some point, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll go up to his home. But that is a long trip for me, uh, for sure. But usually I see John at the trade shows, so yes. or some other things. So yeah, I mean, you don't get that luxury. So no. it would be pretty cool. Now you're gonna go. You're gonna go at another time of the year, right? Not at uh. Yeah, we're we're uh, we just been throwing the idea around. The next big trip to the states would go through Canada first. Yeah, if you've been if you've been, you've been up to Canada, right? Before? No, I have not. Oh, okay. Um, just an amazing Western Canada is just will blow you away. Um, too. It's uh, I've been up. I've been. I've been to most of the provinces of Canada. Uh, really? But, yeah, yeah, I have at one point or another. Yeah, I have not been That's... to Calgary though. I've been to Edmonton, but not Calgary. Okay. Yeah, that was years ago. Yeah. Uh, right. No, I, I've, uh, I've never been. Well, yeah, uh, I've been to Manitoba. Winnipeg was, Ooh. was bad because I had to buy a winter coat in Winnipeg. Because so, oh, right. I was there in like October. And the, it was one of those things where the temperature just went down in October to a crazy level. And 
this was before I had internet for weather or anything like that. So I didn't really notice. So right, I, had, yeah. I had to go buy, a, I had to buy a winter coat in Winnipeg. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Which wasn't hard. Winnipeg, I mean, Winnipeg reminds me a lot of Minneapolis. The, the, the cities have oh, really? a very similar vibe to it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that'll be cool if you get to see John up there. That would hey. be excellent. Uh, uh, we're going to talk to those guys later, too, with our Valley Palace Review of the Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they got, we got something. We got interesting stuff with them. We got stuff cooking. Oh, but... Uh... But the music stuff, Coop. Music, we got tons of music news today. In a week, there was a like I figured this would be a light music news week. No, you know, but but a lot is broken this week for sure. No, uh, well I'm gonna start with the site. So we got the Oops series, the Oops, which is songs I missed on my top fifty list. That series has started dropping. Um, so take a look at that. Uh, once that series finishes, I'm gonna hope to I'm gonna get back to my two new reviews a week. And trying to add more features and stuff, so be on the lookout for that. Um, Coop's Coop's uh, posting bands that 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 are actually on the list but haven't been released yet. So Coop is uh, all yeah, over. yeah. So it was interesting. We'll 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 hold it till it comes out. But I'll just say this: I happened to find uh, I happened to find this artist that I really hadn't paid attention to, and there was a song. And the first yep. thing I said is. This is the Dave. This is a Dave Burke song through and through. He's got to hear this. I haven't heard him mention it, and I mentioned it to me. He's like, "Yeah, it's already on the Oops list." So that's right, Oops list. But, so, but, but I, at yeah. least I know I know Dave very well. Because like, this, there you go. Check, this check the boxes for Dave is what I said. Well, what people don't know is that after I put out my top fifty list, so when I put out my list. It's just based on me, really. Like I'm not looking at many other people's lists or anything. It's just sort of a list I compile over the year of music I hear and stuff like that. Right. And then after that, I look at everybody else's list and look at bands I haven't heard of or stuff like that. So that's the oops list. So it's like, oops, these songs I missed sort of thing. Yep. So then by the end of every list, there'll be 100 tracks. So we're up. We're doing the oops list. Um, and the dedication show. So every year we do a dedication show. Kind of in the end of March, April-ish time. Um, some, well, somewhere in March, really. Or mm-hmm. April, trying to fit it in uh, with our schedules. And it's a dedication to, like, anyone that's, like, sort of like we're doing today, but anybody that's passed away, like, loved ones that have passed away, and you dedicate a song to them. And you send it in to CigarJukebox.com, and Coop and I go through them on the show. So... Yeah, listeners send in stuff. People in the cigar industry send in dedications to people. Um, and you, you say, you know, this is dedicated to my dad or mom or whoever. A little story about that person. And then uh, I like to dedicate the song, you know, My Way by Frank Sinatra or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we read through them. And during it, we smoke the last, Cal- whatever the last Calaveras is of the previous year. And we smoked that um, because of that cigar story around celebrating people who passed away and and that sort of thing. So. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I mean, it's been a, like we've done it every year. I've done it on Jukebox. We've done it probably now for what, like seven years or something? At least. Yeah. It's a tradition. We, we was the first thing I said, like, well, David, I just talked about it. I said, we're going to bring the dedication. So I was like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I got to say this, um, you know, 
when I smoke, I think I mentioned this on a previous show, when I smoked the Las Calaveras, and then given kind of losing my dad, which it's the closest person in my life I lost, right? So I never really went through something like this, at this age at least, maybe my grandfather when I was a lot younger, but it actually made me feel better smoking that cigar. Mm. I kind of felt the whole vibe of celebrating life and everything. And I'm not saying it was the tobaccos that did that, but it, it, I think the story behind that cigar certainly mm. put me in a, a mindset with that. Um, and that's really what I think the intent of that is to do um, is. And I, and I know people really open up to us a lot with that, which is something I appreciate. I, know I think you do, too. You know, they share mm. a lot of personal stuff with us that, you know, um, we, we're grateful for that, you know. So uh, it's a it's a big show. It's different. What we're doing today is we're just we're paying homage to the artists that lost. But this one is the people of your life that, you know, you want to remember. So mm. it's a little bit of a different vibe that that dedication show is going to be. So we're going to have we're going to constantly remind people of it, put posts up about it. Yep. So that people don't forget. Um, and we're, we have it sent to the Cigar Jukebox email account just because it's easier. Yeah. To like um consolidate all of them yep because we don't want to lose any no we don't want to lose them exactly so uh definitely get them um, out there yeah. yeah and yeah and that's been i think coop like it's kind of one of the most downloaded shows usually of the year yep. and usually always is yeah and uh people enjoy it it's a good way to get the listeners sort of involved so we'll keep talking about it so basically if you have a dedication um you would say, you know, this is for my dad, yeah, Joe or whoever. Um, maybe a little bit about that person, and then go, you know, his favorite song was yeah. he really liked Dean Martin, yeah. so yeah. And then we go through it, we sort of talk about it, and then uh, yeah, we go through them all, and and then two, we like to give it ahead of time because if you wanna like have, we know some people like to have the full experience, smoke the cigars that we are having. Right. So this gives you time to pick up the last cow, which is quite, it's, 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 it's not hard to get. I mean, the sampler might be hard to get if you're looking for that, yeah. but I, I the actual cigar the is still around. I have the cigars, but I missed out on the sample. The sample, you got to grab quick, but yeah, uh, just grab the sample. And we're talking about last Calaveras 2022 because it came out like the Calaveras has been coming out a little later now. So yeah, We've been having to go to it's the been, pre previous year, which it's is been fine. Moving more towards like a April May release. Yeah, I think. Like I, well, June. last one I think June was. Yeah, this one came out in June. Yeah. Uh, but nothing um, wrong with that. Yeah. No. Yeah. So pick it up. Uh, I always recommend. I just had one the other day. I had their massive one. It's like a six by fifty four, fifty six, maybe or something. It's huge. It is smoking really well. You know. You know. They do a good job with big ring gauge cigars. Crown has John Huber. Oh, say yeah. He doesn't like them, but. I can tell you, they. I've had a lot more positives with their big ring gauges. Well, for me, the Las Calaveras line of cigars for me always perform better in the bigger ring gauges. Yeah, I think we mentioned me. that as well. Um. So yeah, you could pick those up. You can have one. Yeah. For you for the show. That show we'll, we'll announce that show close to the day, but it'll be sometime around between the middle and end of March, somewhere yep. in there. Yep. Depending sure. on schedules and yep. stuff like that. Yep, but we'll definitely get that. We were a little later last year, but but that was because of schedule. Yeah. So yeah. So that'll that'll happen in uh and yeah, so if you want to get those dedications in, if you're like, I want to do this before I forget, you can email it to cigarjukebox at gmail.com and yep. we'll just make a document and like list them all and yeah. Sort of thing. Absolutely. Music yeah. news coop. New Year's Eve. Yes. 
Miley, uh, Miley Cyrus and Dolly, who is Miley's uh, grand or uh, godmother, uh, who Miley calls Miss Dolly, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, did did uh, New Year's Eve? I watched a, a medley they did of Wrecking Ball. Um, didn't really like Wrecking Ball that much, but uh, Dolly sang a bit, a bit of a "I Will Always Love You," which was just amazing. Right. So that was sort of my highlight from what I've seen of it was her singing that song, um, which is you know fantastic. I thought, they, I, I, caught, I caught the replays of some of it, and I thought it was pretty good actually with that performance. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the highlight for me is that is that song, but it's uh, yeah. It, I think what who was that NBC that did it? Someone did it. NBC did NBC? it in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't watch it live because we don't get it here. So I watched it. I watched like clips of it. That's kind of what I ended up doing too. Uh, you know, I kind of stuck with tradition. Um, and, and well, I really wasn't watching anything, right? But then usually I always put on Dick Clark. There you go. Uh, I had actually—I'll be honest—I forgot about the Dolly Molly thing. Hey, shame that... on me! Shame on me! But but uh, hey, that's fine. But when I put it on, uh. And I was tuned in for a while. Then Duran Duran performed. Yeah, you have this on here. So like, yeah. how, you said Duran Duran did quite well. Oh, uh, they did quite well. I didn't think it was the best set. I mean, I don't know why they performed Notorious of all songs at New Year's Eve, oh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> they did. Um, you know, they were out in Times Square. Uh, it was admirable. Uh, I don't think it was a their best performance. Um, but they they went into the reflex and they did a good job. And you know. It wasn't again. That's not going to be a great. You're not going to get an epic performance on Dick Clark's New Year's Eve night in the middle of Times Square. You just not. No. The sound's not there. Um, it's a short set, but it was good to see him. the The crowd was really into them. It seemed like. Um, and you know, I'll just say this: like, I I I like that they've kept the name. They have not dropped the Dick Clark name. Uh, ABC has been covering, yeah. it, and they have not dropped the Dick Clark name. And I think that's an admiral. I really. If I have any loyalty to that show still, it's because they've kept that name. And uh, Dick Clark Man. was New Year's Eve, uh, at least for me yeah. growing up. There was nobody else except Guy Lombardo. What? But the, he was a different. What's going on? What's going on with Notorious? Who made that song choice? It, you know, I. You I know what the people want. They want to hear Notorious. No, I mean, they did. They went into the. They did Rio. Uh, oh, okay. And Reflex, right? But but Notorious is like. um. <sighs> That you do was, so many other songs. Other that was like one of those weak points that Duran Duran had. I mean, I would have went into a view to a kill. Would have been a great new year. I just yeah. had a, you know, uh, you know, like Earth. the wolf, like something. Yeah, yeah. Notorious, in my opinion, it's like that's the one song I wish they would just not be on the. It's 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 probably one of the worst Duran Duran hits, in my opinion, that that ever hit. <laughs> if I had to say anything. Oh I mean, yeah. Dojo hates the reflex. By the way. Does he? Yeah. It's not bad. Oh, it's great. Da, 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 da. Uh, Dojo, he's got a new cigar coming out. Anyway. Yeah, well, several probably. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, he's uh, and I guess if you're listening on Monday, they've already started to announce the list uh, today, you know. If, uh, so oh. um, I'll make a prediction on this show. I think he's going to pick Foundation Olmec as number one. So that's my Ooh, prediction. What did Cigar Snob or something have yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It's a good cigar, no. Dave. It's a good cigar. 
I've had one. I have another one in my humanoid that I'm going to try. It's there's, good, but, but I was surprised blends. that it got number one. There's two blends. There's, did you have the Maduro oh. or, the, or the Claro? I do not have the Maduro. Is okay. it the Maduro that got number one? Yeah. Well, Okay, but I, but I, I like stand the, corrected. But, but I like the Claro better. So let me just tell you something. Stogie Santa gives me a call. And mm. when I get a call about a cigar at Stogie Santa, he either loves it or hates it. Now, this was one of the loved ones. And he was all over this Olmec before it even hit the stores. He'd gotten a sample of it. He said this is going to be a huge hit for Nick. Um, So, it, yeah, I mean, it's – I really haven't gone through a review cycle of it yet. But I think it's a good cigar. A lot of people think it has a shot to do very good on the consensus this year. But we'll see. The Maduro, you're saying? Yeah. The Maduro has been on a lot of lists. I gotta try the Maduro. I have not tried the Maduro, to be honest. I tried the other one, and I liked it. But I was like, eh. I, I've had other cigars this year that I've liked better. But I did not try the Maduro, and if the Maduro is the one that everybody yeah. is like all over, I gotta well, try know, it. Er- yeah, you know, Eric made it hard for me to hear the guesses. I, I, I pretty much leaked to him how I guess his cigars usually. I said, Ooh. "No, you're always posting pictures of them, like right before." Oh, right. <laughs> and right. now he's not doing it. Like, ah, now I can't figure it out. I should have never said Oop, anything. You, you, you I sprung him. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, I think it will be that. I I know if I, again, I'm guessing here. He loved the H99 by Drew Estate. Uh, so I think that's another one that will be high on his list too. Well, I haven't had that. They're impossible to get, except if you're. Dead. Are they? Except for your dojo, he found, a, your dojo. he found a way to get him. So, but he's uh, connected. He's yeah. the man. I was, okay, so I wasn't a huge fan of the H99. But the Lancero, and I happened to get the Lancero Barn Smoker, which is the H99 blend. It's called Phineas Gage. It was fantastic. All right. That That's a blend that worked great in a Lancero. Hmm. No, I, I, I'm lucky to get. Yeah. I don't get. I don't review cigars for that very yeah. reason, Coop. I don't get many of the new ones. Yep. I would be we try to get him. I, I try to get him to you, and then what happens is like there's other stuff I end up sending you. So hey, that's fine. So I'm glad that hey Dave, if there's something you look up, just make sure I get it to you. Um, I know you, there's a package that is coming your way uh, with your family. So, oh yeah. Well, I will wait for that. I uh, well, you know, um, we're doing a in memoriam show today, and then unfortunately there was a number of people who passed away in the music industry this week. Yeah, I um, mean, it was like, well, this will be for the 2023 list, I guess, now, right? Yeah, but you gotta have to mention them. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I don't know, so this is a rapper, so her the, her like birth name, I guess, is uh, Lola Mitchell. She goes as Gangsta Boo. She was in, I don't know, if you're a big 90s hip-hop person, you'll know this band it was 3-6 Mafia. They're out of Memphis. They're pretty big in like, oh, 95 era, like 95, 96, and then moving forward a bit. Um, she was with the band initially and then like put out her own uh, records. She was a huge inspiration to people like Missy Elliott, um, really paved the way for Megan Thee Stallion, MIA, Cardi B, LaCaylee 47, Nicki Minaj. I mean, especially those yep. women rappers. Um, apparently a lot of people were posting on Twitter and stuff like Questlove, Black Thought, like all these huge rappers, like what inspiration she was. Um, she did stuff with Run the Jewels, stuff with Outkast, 
Glorilla, who's a new rapper at E40. She's done like stuff with Eminem. She's been um she's like a highly influential a woman rapper. Um the songs I picked, so Who Run It, that was off that was kind of her big song with Three Six Mafia is Who Run It. And then Where Are Them Dollars At? That is off of her solo record, and that really broke her. Like that song went huge in like ninety-eight. Uh and it really really broke her out. And and I think too, like if you think about it, Coop, in that sort of nineties, two thousands, like really the only women rappers that put out solo records were like her, Missy Elliott. I mean Lauren Hill put one out around then. There weren't a lot of women rappers putting out solo records. So for her to put no, one out and do so well, it's quite yeah. good. Yeah. But like she was only forty three. Like that's young, Coop. Yeah, that that is very. I didn't realize she was that young. And at the time that I put this together, I don't think her. I don't think people know how she died. She, people are suspecting it was a drug overdose, but they don't know. So it's still sort of up in the air. But yeah, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Um. So, um. Yeah. So Gangsta Boo, who did a lot of stuff, unfortunately passed away. But uh, it's a good it's, it is a good opportunity for people that don't know a lot about her um, to check out her music. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I just had seen that one in the notes this morning. So that just happened, apparently. Yeah, it was like a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you might see it on a, on a, coming up in a lot of feeds. Like I say, ch- check her music out. I mean, you hear a rap. And you're like, this is the 90s? Because it's it totally sounds like it could come out today. Like, it's the way, like, it's very, you could see her influence in the women rappers today uh, quite easily. Um, and to think she's putting that out, like, in 97, 98. Sure. Quite impressive. Definitely. Uh, yeah, in Memphis. So Memphis hip-hop scene um, is grieving a bit today because you don't hear a lot of the Memphis scene. So it's, so check it out. Well, yep, yep, definitely a uh, bad loss for sure. Mm. This next one, Coop, this is kind of an iconic band. Yeah, um, and um, iconic band, they have been losing a couple of members now um, over the past couple of years. You know, they are getting older, but uh, Fred White. Uh, Fred White was the drummer during Earth, Wind & Fire's peak period. That like mm. that mid seventies to mid eighties, that's really when they had their biggest success. Uh he passed away uh this past week. Now Fred was the forgotten of the three White brothers. So there was Morris White, there was Verdeem White, and there's Fred. So more uh Morris and Verdeem were the founders of the band. Uh Morris is the lead singer. Uh Verdeem's the incomparable, incomparable mm. bass player. Uh, Fred kind of came in a little later. Fred came into the band uh, a little later. He wasn't a founder of it, but definitely he made his mark during uh, the, the the band's peak period. And, you know, he was very much that Charlie Watts type of drummer, mm. I think. He he wasn't the guy who was going to get the, the big drum solos, but he just kept it all together, and he really kept the band, you know, he, he kept the rhythm of the band going really well. Uh, uh, mm. very, very good drummer. He when the band went on hiatus in the mid eighties, he did not return, but mm. 
Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Morris White has passed away. Verdine White, obviously, is still alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, they did pay homage to him as he was a significant contributor during that time. So, uh, Fred White, I believe he was 67. Um, okay. So, he, not that old. They didn't really give a, a no. cause of reason what happened there. Um, but he was 67 and he died on New Year's Day. Right. Yeah. And he had, uh, so what, when I was looking up stuff, um, so he's on some of their biggest yeah. tracks, like Shining Stars, September. Yeah. So he was uh, during the during the big time there, like September especially. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, you listen to a song in September, the the drums are not really going to be the, the, the focal instrument, but that it's a, mm. it's a beat that's there, and he keeps that beat. It's kind of like just keeps the flow going um, and does what he needs to do, kind of like what Charlie Watts would do a lot of times. Yeah, that's a good comparison, like Charlie Watts. Like, he wasn't yeah. flashy. Right, wasn't flashy. Verdine's the flashy right. guy. I mean, on a bass, he's a very flashy yeah. bass player. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of like Flea in a lot of ways, Verdine was. Mm. And, you know, and then you have Philip Bailey and, and Morris White on the vocals. So Fred White was kind of in the background. He was, he was in the background on those drums, but but a yeah. very good drummer uh, for a band that I think really, uh, you know, they changed the music landscape with that whole uh, you know, mm. f- you know, with their whole style in the seventies. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I mean, another artist here, which is like seventies, eighties, Anita Pointer. Oh, this one, uh, yeah, yeah. This is uh, another Pointer sister that has gone now. Yeah. So now, to 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 kind of put this in perspective, so originally, so the Pointer sisters were a duo, and then she jumped in. Uh, to make it like the Pointer sisters that we know now. So I don't think she was like an original member, quote unquote. But she was pretty close to when the band first started. Yeah, she, um, I believe um, Bonnie and June formed the Pointer Sisters. And then Bonnie eventually left. And Bonnie's passed away. Um, Mm. So, um, and June has passed away as well. So I believe Ruth may be the only Pointer Sister that's alive right now. She's the youngest. Oh, no, she's Mm. the oldest. She's the oldest of the Pointer Sisters. Oh wow! Yeah, so three of the four is a gone right now. So, so she jumped in to make for jumped in the duo, much like Fred White, who's on some of their biggest hits. Yeah, like Jump Fire. So, um, so really, uh, like you know, on on kind of the heyday of the band. Uh, but yeah, the point. I mean, I don't know about you, but Pointer Sisters were like a big part of my. Listening as a as a as a young child growing up, they're a big they big are part of my my listening. They are a big part of my life because they have told this story. My grandfather, who was heckling Christopher Cross at the Grammys, was told to shut up by the Pointer Sisters. Shut <laughs> up! Like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> they told that's according to my dad and uncle. Had told me that when when my grandfather was and he hated Christopher Cross for whatever reason, right? And he was a little tanked. My grandfather. They they had gotten into the Grammys is what happened. Uh, they had you know the connections through CBS Records and and basically the Pointer Sisters had to tell my put my grandfather in place. So they were a oh, very important awesome. part of the Cooper family history here. <laughs> no, nah, but I I listened to them growing yeah. up. Yeah, they, they, they uh, yeah I I, I do mm-hmm. I've always liked the Pointer Sisters. Uh, a really little the 80s, uh, and they after the eighties they yeah. didn't do much. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. and a little known fact, Coop. If you if you listen to uh, if you watch uh, Sesame Street and they do the one you know the where they count to twelve and the pinball is going around yeah that's the point of sisters oh I didn't know that 
singing that song, the one, two, three, four, five. Right. Do, do, yep. Do, do, do. yep. That's a that's the point of sisters. Yep. What do you yep. think of that? A little trivia. Wow. That would have been the seventies, surely. Wow. Wow. Um so yeah, so unfortunately a lot of big names passing away recently. Um, yep. but on better news, I see that the the Coop Tat ten yep. oldies this... new oldies is coming up. Yeah, so I have not put the list together. I'm finishing it up this week, so we'll probably start the week after. Um, and that's why I go through Albums from artists who have been around for 25 or more years that were new albums in the last year. Yeah. So um, there, there probably won't be any secret of number one. Is what I, was no, I think say, I know who number one I, is. I think everyone should know what number one is, but number two is a little bit of a battle right now. So so we'll check that we out. Had, we had a lot of new old. I mean, it's a very competitive year. Yeah. Lyle Lovett put one out. Yeah. Um, Janice Ian even put a song out, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean Dolly put a song out. Yep, Dolly put um, one out. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers have had one. Red Hot year. Chili Peppers put it out. Diana Ross like is going to qualify to actually believe it or not, because her is... album was late enough last year to qualify. Ah, uh, yes, God, yeah. that's such a good album. Yeah, it really was, and the Grammys recognized that I think too this year too, which was good. Uh, what's your cutoff for oldies? Like, does Pink count? Uh, any November uh, October thirty first is the is the cutoff. But I mean, like, in terms of what defines an oldie, like how... 25 years from their first album. All right, okay. Oh, so, so Pink, I think, is a little short of it. Li- uh, it would be to... a little bit. And, that, and that's, what takes the longest, that's what takes the longest time is I have to go validate all that, yeah. But, Not uh, by much, though, I bet. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to believe I'm talking about Pink in this category right now. But yeah, it, I know. Yeah. Alanis is in this category. but uh, Yes, so... So it's think. kind of a way to recognize some of these artists, you know, a little different, just to do a different spin. Dave, you you cover the new scene really, really well. Um, mm. So, uh, oh yeah, and some of these artists might make the list and might not. Like Tish Spears made the list. Um, Lyle Lovett made the list. Yeah, Diana made the list last year, quite high, I think, too. Yep. Um, Dolly made the list, obviously, but some may, some might make the list, some might not. Yep. Exactly. Reba uh, McIntyre one year made the list because she came out with something. Yep. No, it's true. Uh, I've had, I think I've had some artists close to 80 make the list. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, McCartney was made the list uh, a couple of years. And, and so the last two that I picked, well, last year was Duran Duran, who got in just before the deadline with Future Pass. And then the year before was the Pet Shop Boys, uh, who have an album coming out in 2023. So, do they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, I know a long, that's a long hiatus for the Pet Shop Boys. They're usually an annual <laughs> release they have. Yeah, this is a long hiatus they've had. I think I know some other records that might be on the coup list, but I want to. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. It, for it the, actually, uh, I have reader. to. I have to kind of go through everything and and map out the dates and everything, and that's what takes. So, and I don't do that till the coup cigar list is done because otherwise it's too distracting. It's too much. Sense. Well, like, I, the, I, the I, coup, I, coup list has been a pain to do this year too. <laughs> I know one of the artists that I think made the list. He said probably two or three albums ago that he was done putting out albums and uh, yeah, 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 maybe, yeah. <laughs> they keep coming out. Yep. So maybe he's not done. Yep. Um. All right. So cool. I look forward to that. That's always a great list. I always enjoy reading that. Oh, that's so fun. Appreciate. It. Yep. Appreciate. Yep. That. Yep. Um. Cigar news. D- developing palettes. Aaron, Aaron likes cigars is the, the, and, the headline. Okay, so listen, if you have been following developing palettes the last couple of weeks, 
it's like a new Aaron Loomis. Like he is just giving good cigar mm. reviews lately, at least as good as you would get from an Aaron. You know. <laughs> I told uh, Coop. I think I put it in the comments of um, the show as well on uh, the YouTube, the show on YouTube. But as they're reviewing the Mario Lucia, as they were reviewing it, I bought it. It's a good like, cigar, Dave. It's a good cigar. Like June loved it. Like Aaron loved. I'm like, what? Like all the scores that cigar was getting, I was like, oh man, I gotta get this done. Yeah. No, he so I picked, uh... picked it up. No, it, this look. This was a lot of the, the guys who went to the trade show on the Coop team, Bear, Ben, and Nielsen. That was one of their favorite cigars. I like the other uh, Luciano cigar better, the Mas Ignis, mm. right? Mm. So, but the the, the Maria Lucia was a star on our team. Um, it's a very good cigar, and I think people will enjoy it. I, you know, like I said, it's a shame there's been all this drama, right, with Luciano Cigars because mm. it shouldn't take anything away from what he – look, and I give Developing Pals a lot of credit. They took the drama out of the picture here, right, mm -hmm. and they just focused on the tobacco. And and that's what you should be – that's what we should be doing with that. Yeah, so I picked that up because they were, like, loving it. Yep. Um, cigars are smoking. Now, Coop, you had a choice of three, and what did you end up going with? Wow, I went with this. I this was I dug this out of the humidor. This is a Tatuai Escasos um, Regios. Uh, so this is a Tatuai blend that came out a few years ago. And what they did is it's the brown label blend, but they replaced it with a Claro Habano wrapper. And what Claro Habano is, um, it's a like when you look at like there's different variants of a Habano wrapper or wrappers. Claro mm. tends to be a light wrapper. Uh, it almost looks Connecticut. It's very light. This is just buttery, creamy. Uh, it's got a nice sweetness to it. Look at the burn on this thing. I don't know if you can see it, but because uh, that's always. But this is, like I said, I was worried it was again. You know, when I go into the humidor, I always worry it's a little too in there too long. But this is just performing stellar, stellar. Um, th this and he makes a cigar in Miami too, which is pretty cool, Pete. So I'm I'm like I said I, I actually had to slow down smoking it because I wanted to show the burn on this thing before I ashed. Burn's amazing. Construction yeah. looks incredible. Yeah, I wish I had more of these. That this is my last one. But uh, when I smoked them when they first came out, they were a little astringent. They just so that was the other thing I was a little worried about. How, you know, would it would be astringent. No, not the case. Got this buttery creaminess to it now. Really good, mm. really good cigar. Yeah, I uh, speaking of Tatuaje, the Ver the Veracruz Blue. Blue Label has been doing quite uh, well on the list. So I have to yeah, check that out. Yeah, um, great cigar as well. I need to get some to review, actually. I got a couple at the show. Excellent. Again, the guys that went to the show on the Coop team really liked that cigar. You know, Nielsen, That's Ben, good. and Bear yeah. were big were big on that cigar as well. And as, as was I. I'm just happy to see Pete and Tatuaje jump up lists for something other than a monster. You know what I mean? Well, and yes, and, to, and today... Pete uh, landed on the coop list. Actually, when recording this, it's Saturday, uh, and he landed at number three with the um, the T110 Reserva, something I smoked on Jukebox for the first time. And it just yes. got better and better throughout the year, yeah. Ah, the 110, those are good. Um, yeah. I got the number two cigar of the year for How About That Cigar. That was given to me by none other than uh, Matt and Garrett themselves, which is the Sin Compromiso Paladin de Saka. Oh, yeah. 
So I got that. I have had this line, but I've not had this cigar. I think I've had the, the Sin Compromiso uh, in like a Toro or like a short, maybe. Mm-hmm, right. Not a short, but like a short Churchill, I think. But uh, I lit it up, and it is already like, whoo-hoo. What a flavor bomb that cigar is. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan of Sin Compromiso. But that cigar is something special. Oh, that's good, man. Yep. It's a very special cigar. It's, uh, oh. Mm. Uh, like I'm already, was... I'm only like that far into it. It's yep. already like knocking my socks off, Coop. I thought it could be their number one cigar, Matt and Garrett. But I wasn't surprised mm. it was the Crux the Connoisseur. The either. Crux? Yeah. I can't find that cigar. I was looking for it. Uh, yeah, I actually look. The Connoisseur is their best line in Crux, right? And and I gave a Lancero number one. Now the one they gave number one was the number four, which is a Corona Gorda. Still very good. It's I think it's the second best size. I'll still mm. go with the Lancero, but that that number two Lancero is one I go. But that's a good cigar they did. It, it's I had no problem with them giving that number one cigar of the year. The uh, Maduro very, I really like that they have. Would oh, you say good. them and maybe Camacho is the best? Reband rebranding of a cigar company in the last like five years. Yeah, yeah. The third one I'll put in there is EP Carrillo did a nice rebrand yep. too. But I'd say yes. Yeah, so those I would put EP Carrillo third. Uh, I would put probably Camacho had a huge amount of success early on. You can't That's argue great. that early success. It did slow down a bit, but that yeah. was to be expected. Crux, you know, when Crux rebranded, I was like, what the fuck, right? Like, what are they doing? I but when you yeah. saw when you see that in person, oh, it makes a big difference. Especially you see the Maduro where it's that really dark wrapper and the band is that sort of like mint green. I'm like, oh, oh, oh that is nice. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, it looks and that Maduro, like I said, that mint green looks great. Oh, but yeah. So anyway, uh, number two, and it's going to be high on Coop's list, I believe, as well. No, yep. it's, it's you never nice. know. You know, you'll you'll know. Like if you're listening to this, you may or may not know where, if that made the list or not that's, today. That's true. It, but you're if you're listening to this, I've already soon. announced my number one cigar of the year today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta check that. I saw the poster. That I gotta check that out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So musicians that we're celebrating today. So we're just gonna go through and each talk about them a little bit. Well, it's not everybody, obviously. No, we couldn't do everybody, just... but we we picked. Dave picked, I think, a good subset of what we needed to yeah. do. Yeah. So if we miss them, we, don't stay appended. Yeah. yeah, just let us know. Yeah. We sort of take the lead on ones that we're more familiar with and kind of add in. Yep, yep. Some. So kick off with you, Coop. This happened like early in the year. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Early in the year. In fact, I forgot. To, you know, when I did the little graphic for the show, I forgot to put meatloaf on it. <laughs> it's like kind of funny. Yeah. But it's, meat, but it's meatloaf. Um, and, you know. I think Meatloaf's story is an amazing, amazing story. Um, but really, when you look at Meatloaf's career, he is joined at the hip with a partnership uh, with the late Jim Steinman. Um, Really, where Steinman was the songwriter. He was the producer in a lot of times. He did do some instruments at times and times, some vocals. But but Stein, Steinman was focused on the, the words, the, the production. And Meatloaf was the performer. And it was something that really worked worked quite well for a long time. So a lot of people will say, you know, Steinman died last year. And a lot of mm. people, it's it's a chicken and egg scenario that a lot of people look at this like, well, who was really responsible for the success? Would 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 
would Steinman have had any Steinman had some hits for other people. Uh, would he have had any success without Meatloaf or Meatloaf, who did have a couple of hits outside of the Steinman realm as mm. well? And I'll talk about one of them. Um, would he have had it without Steinman? I think the answer is they were so it was just, it was just such a great partnership. Um, but people don't realize. So Meatloaf, you know, he started as a, one thing. I think that really made Meatloaf um, this performer is he had a theater background. So yeah, you know, right. a lot of these songs are like rock operas, or he make it into his vocals could make it feel like a rock opera a lot of times. Even if, it, but I think you know Steinman had that songwriting style too, which was kind of that rock opera style. But you know there was a point though, Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell in '77, one of the biggest albums ever. By like the mid '80s, Meatloaf was done. Like he's this mm. fat guy. He's like you know he's having problems. You know, you know, record label problems. He's he, him and Steinman also fought a lot, like back and forth, like mm. kids. They were like Lucy and Ethel a lot of times. Uh, and Meatloaf was at point he was broke in the mid '80s, and he basically starts going on this tour, and he starts doing nightclubs, the college scenes. Because I remember I saw Meatloaf when I was in college, and I'm all like, right, and I'm like I remember you know he's playing he's playing to maybe about a few hundred people, Dave. I mean this is a guy who had bad out of hell, mm. and like I'm like you know what this guy's still pretty good is what I'm thinking, and he started building up momentum to a point where um he comes back and does uh bad out of hell too with Steinman, and I am always gonna say that bad out of hell is a great album, bad out of hell two was even a better album. Um, mm. they tried to do Bad Out of Hell three, but there was more haggling with Steinman and Meatloaf. Um, there's a lot of talk that Meatloaf died because of the not either getting the vaccine or not. I forget what it was. Something it, right. They don't know what it was, but Meatloaf did have some health issues. Yeah. Two years, so, um, I'm not gonna go there, but you know, Meatloaf had some great songs, right? So. If you look at, I'll pick two from. I'm gonna. Pick, I have a lot here because I couldn't narrow it down, Dave. So, but I'll go quick. <laughs> that's, well, hey, that's I have fine. two. I have two from Bad Out of Hell, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I mean, we all grew up with that song, and the one I really, I love. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, and then mm. I picked two from Bad Out of Hell too, which the best, the best Meatloaf song I think is I would do anything for love. Won him the Grammy. Yeah, yeah. Well deserved. He won the Grammy with that. Uh, and then the best meatloaf song you've never heard is everything louder than everything else. You want that true mm. rock opera feel? That's and here's the thing I'll say is about um the Bad Out of Hell two songs are better in the studio than live. So Okay. You know, yeah, so I'll just say this, really they did again, this is Steinman, they did great production on that bad it, the songs live are good, but they don't have the they just don't have the same vibe as, as in the, the studio versions mm. were really well done. And then, you know, there's a song that wasn't a bad out of hell song. It's a cool song. Um, it's called Dead Ringer. Right. And, and again, just kind of it's outside that bad out of hell. It, it, this was kind of a song that Meatloaf released as he was on that downward spiral in, in like the late 70s, early 80s. Mm. But but a good song. I mean, it's just it's just got a cool vibe to it. So uh, Meatloaf will be missed. Uh, I do believe. Meatloaf will be, uh, you know, just a great pure vocalist, in my opinion. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, I was never really a big Meatloaf person, but I recognize his impact to music. I mean, he was in acting as well, like kind of made his way into Fight Club and did some stuff. Well, he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, yeah. He, like I said, he had an acting background, 
And, you know, the stuff he did, like when you, when you see Paradise by the Dashboard Light perform live, mm. uh, you, you, you see that theatrical part of Meatloaf come out in his performances. So mm. even though I said the Bad Attitude held two stuff wasn't as strong live, a Meatloaf performance made it like because he just he, he didn't just stand on stage, you know, he he kind of really joust back and forth with 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 the female counterpart vocalists he had and stuff like that. He was just really good at it. Mm. Now, the next person, Jerry Lewis, I would argue, like, huge impact on music. However, his, like, his, like, you know, his life is, is going to derail that. Oh, totally. You know, um, yeah, you, you nailed that, Dave. It totally, it totally yeah. derails it. Yeah. And I mean, it, 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 and people knew it was going to derail it at the time. Yeah. It totally like did. his record company at the time was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. So it's not even like in hindsight, it was like people were telling him like, at, and we're talking about when Jerry Lee Lewis um, got in a relationship and ended up marrying his 13 uh, year old. Like Coop says, there's another, some speculate 12 year old. Yeah. Uh, cousin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he was told at the time to not do that. Yeah. And, yeah, he um. And, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Well, I was just gonna say, like, Jerry Lewis. I mean, it, it's it because because of everything that happened post that. Because he had that, he had another number of other problems. Um, it, it's it's easy to forget that he was sort of like the next big thing with Elvis and Little Richard, and like he was in that whole totally. You know what I mean? It's it's easy to forget that because everything that comes after that point was was a mess. Was such a disaster that yeah. it's it's easy to forget like how how influential and like how big he was at the time. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dave, you look at this, right? Look at him for a second. He he was in the first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction class. Mm. The Beatles weren't in there. He was right. And you, you, you know, the great point when you said, you know, he was, he was, he's a pioneer in the rock and roll movement. You know, he had the, he was up there with Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, little Richard, right? Oh, mm. Like these Chuck were rebels Berry, at the time. Right. Uh, and then what happens? Elvis goes into the army and mm. basically there's no reason why Jerry Lee Lewis should not take this mantle and go. But wait, like, <laughs> like kind of when the Beatles broke up, what happened? The Stones come in, right? That's yeah. Right. But this didn't happen. And then you mentioned, like I said, he goes and marries his thirteen-year-old, uh, some speculate twelve-year-old first co first cousin, right? Yeah. Uh, while still married to his previous wife, I might add. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Seven times the guy's married, right? Uh, and this was a scan. Look, this was a scandal back in '58. This was not yeah. like something. This would be a scandal today, but imagine. Going, oh, yeah. We're going back 65 years now. I mean, I think that's the thing for me, Coop. Yeah. About it. That's like, well, obviously, Jerry Lewis had some had some deep seated issues. But uh, the thing about it for me is that, like, sometimes we see these things from a modern lens. And we're yeah. like, how could you do that? But at the yeah. time, like no one thought anything of it. This is at the time people were like. His record company was just like begging him, like, don't do it. Like, what are you doing? Look, as rebellious as rock and roll was back then, 
you know, it was still rebellious. And these were still, Elvis, there were people who hated Elvis. You got to remember that too. Like Elvis was evil. Like there were people yeah. who looked at Elvis as very evil. And now, but, you know, of the bad, these were like rebels. Jerry Lewis was the bad boy of these guys. There was no question about it. And, and then you have it in your notes here, like just like, and then then that is just sort of series of of uh, downward spirals for him. Oh, it was a nightmare. Uh, you yeah. know, he was blacklisted from radio. He lost his money, drug yeah. and alcohol addiction, legal disputes, and even physical illness. It was a mess. It was oh, a mess. Yeah. Uh, and he... oh, I remember that like drunk driving with the loaded gun. Oh yeah, yeah. so yeah, so the drunk driving. I remember that. Yeah, so basically. Uh, he was uh, drunk in Memphis. I think it was Thanksgiving weekend and he wrecked his Rolls Royce and, uh, he was arrested. Uh, he was arrested. Um, and I think at the time they found a loaded pistol and apparently he was going to visit Elvis at Graceland right before Elvis died. Mm. Uh, yeah, he, cause he was known cause Jay Lewis was known for like popping a pistol off, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was definitely known. I mean, he, um, you know, he, the one thing that was interesting though, in the six, in the late sixties, he started, um, this way, and this is, I think a very interesting thing. And, and even back, we're, we're, we're very much a society that time heals things. Right. And in the sixties, it looked like Jerry Lee Lewis was starting to rebuild his career. Um, mm -hmm. he, he basically uh, started reestablishing himself a, as a country artist. Um, and he what he basically did this like grassroots tour where he would go to the radio stations and convince the radio stations to play his music Jeez. where he's blacklisted. And he had some success at doing it. And then more problems just ensued after Oops. that. That's but, the thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just and it never it never. He never had this, like, I guess he got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 86, but never had the career. We we should be talking about Jerry Lee Lewis with, with, with Elvis and with the Beatles, mm. and we're not. We're talking about him, yeah. you know, drunk outside of Graceland instead. Yeah, I mean, he always sort of self-destructed. I mean, to, to look at your songs, though, I mean, Great Balls of Fire, of course, yeah. is huge and the whole lot of shaking going on. I mean, those are like... Epic. Pinnacle songs and rock Pinnacle. and roll, yeah. Yeah, I have one. That other one, Way More's Blues, was a cover he did, actually. Mm. That should be in there. But he mm. did some good covers, Dave, like Save the Last Dance for Me and Chantilly Lace. Um, yep. You go listen to those covers that I just talked about. That's how you realize how good this guy was. Like, he could take... And look, back then, we talked about it, it was a lot of times, it was not unusual for a song to come out and another artist to cover it the year, a year later. It was, that's how it was back then. But yeah. when you listen to some of these Jerry Lewis cover, like you realize how good this guy was, and he just pissed us all away. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's uh, a man with a lot of uh, a lot of issues. I mean, the problem was it's like as soon as he got any sort of success, he'd be like, "Well, you know, the world is mine. I can do whatever I want," and he yeah. would, you know, spiral out of control. Yeah, yeah. Um. Now on the on the flip side of that, we have the next one. Yep. That uh, I'll let you talk about because you is Ronnie Spector. Yeah. Who's from a very like a group that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, the Ronettes. So this yeah. is uh, yeah, Ronnie Spector. Yeah. Um, you know, Ronnie Spector came up in you know if you look at if I had to look at like the history of music, right? Um, of popular music. If you go from the period from like 1961 to 64, 
that was the that was the era of the girl group. Mm. Like like this is you know you had all the, the Supremes were coming up in there, uh, mm. Martha Vandella and the Rhinos yes. were in there. Oh, Martha uh, Vandella. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh Ronnie Spector unfortunately is very much tied with Phil Spector, mm-hmm. um, who was her husband. And, you know, Phil Spector is a very controversial figure in music. I mean, obviously, he he had his problems later in life and spent, you know, the last years of his life in prison. Uh, yeah, for murder, for mur- wasn't it? For murder, yep. Yeah, yeah. And and Phil Spector was an absolute train wreck when you looked at him. Like, he just looked oh. like, I mean, he was a total mess, the guy, right? Uh, you know, he's controversial. You know, he was a controversial guy. And we talked about Phil Spector. I won't go ahead. Yeah, that was. Uh, this is what. Yeah, but Ron, Ronnie uh, Ronnie Spector, um, really, she was with the Ronettes for a few years. In '64, she splits off. She f- uh, forms a solo career. She marries Spector in '68, and I think by the time she married Spector, I think that's when everything went downhill for her. Unfortunately, right? Mm. Um, and she eventually um had some sense and like booted him in '72. Right? <laughs> she kept the Spector name. But she her, her popularity had faded. Then yeah. comes 1986. Mm-hmm. And another guy who's kind of making a little comeback is a guy by the name of Eddie Money. And he's very much infatuated with uh that whole era of um uh, that you know, that early era, you know, that I was talking about the sixties. And he writes a song called uh Take Me Home Tonight. And he you know, be my little baby lines in there, and he brings Ronnie Spector in for the, to do the vocals mm. on that, and a monster hit for Eddie Murphy. It was kind of the last big hit that uh, Ronnie Spector would have on song, but but she was a big part of that album, uh, that song, which was again, I think it was a number one song for Eddie on. It would have been yeah. for Eddie, yeah, yeah. It was a, I, I was a, yeah. You know, I thought that was a big comeback album for Eddie Money, also, which was uh, mm-hmm. it was a little more of a rockish. You know, Eddie Money came from that more of a country rock group. group. Um, I never forget, Dave. I had an Eddie Money pen. Really? All right. So this is going back to again with my dad with the record company. Uh, they gave out these pens, and they had shredded currency in it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So, and apparently, what I was told is. What my dad told me is the currency was stuff that was decommissioned currency that they so they didn't like like sometimes they pull stuff out of circulation they got their hands on it they shredded it so it was a clear pen with all this stuff and it had any money, money on it. yeah yeah and it was it was released during this time period so that was what made me remember it but again Eddie back money. to Ronnie she was uh, amazing I think she had incredible vocals mm. um you know and I I picked three songs from her obviously I did pick Take Me Home Tonight but the other two I picked was Be oh, yeah. My Baby um. Mm iconic vocals and there's just these booming drums in there that just kind of amplified her vocals it's hard to explain but it just they complement mm. the vocals so great um chapel of love which many people don't know was covered by the ronettes uh, and that's because of the specter connection the phil specter mm. connection where uh you know let's go into the chapel you know it's iconic mm-hmm. song but the ronettes version to me is the best ver- again these songs were covered year after year at that point but the ronettes did an amazing version of that song if you haven't heard it definitely that's why we're putting it on the playlist i think it's a, a fantastic version um and again i think ronnie specter it's someone i don't know it's i i feel like her career 
should have been longer and should have been mm-hmm. we should be you know really 35 years we haven't heard, we didn't hear much from her but she i guess she lived a comfortable mm-hmm. life after that but yeah no i agree no i, I mean very, a great era yeah very underrated i mean coming out of that era like that motown women group era i think she's very underrated you um, know yeah i i do and i you know i always wondered it would have been cool if you got martha vandela diana ross and ronnie specter as as a as a super trio mm. Uh, I think it would have been a pretty cool project to see. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. you got three amazing vocalists yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, the next one. Now this one. Oh, this is a great. This is a great artist, by the way. Yeah. We we we, uh, have talked about off and on a lot. That's Betty Davis, uh, who was a funk pioneer and a black feminist activist. A lot of her music, I mean, especially the sort of songs she's putting out at the time. Like, if you look at her songs, a lot of it was about individuality, having pride herself as a woman, having pride herself as a black woman. Like, a lot of that was in her music. Now, she was in an abusive relationship with Miles Davis, uh, which I don't I don't know how long that lasted. I don't think it was a long relationship. Dave. I don't think it was either. But, it, it, but, I mean, it was quite abusive, and she actually came up with the name for Bitches Brew. I think I think Davis wanted to name it Witches Brew. And she's like, why don't you call it Bitches Brew? He's like, oh, okay. And so came up with that. But like she, like I said, her music, it's 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 all part of that sort of kind of it's it's like it's got sort of hallmarks of your traditional funk, but also a little little uh a little dash of your spaceship mothership funk yeah like you see her on some of these album covers she's wearing some like whacked out like silver spacesuit um but just like really going for it on the vocal and like really uh like really raw energy in a lot of her vo- a lot of her songs i've talked about a lot of her songs throughout the show so i try to pick two that I haven't talked about a whole lot, just to sort of expand people. Um, they say I'm different. That get, that goes to the point about her sort of pride individuality and things like that. And then the anti-love song yeah, is, is another good one. Um, but really, just listen to all of her stuff, though. I think she, had, she has a couple albums, maybe like three. Um, I wish we would have seen more music from her, because we really haven't um, passed those records. But they're so... Like in terms of funk, anyway, uh, especially like women in funk, they are very influential records. And, oh yeah, and you need to have a listen. Oh, I I totally agree. Um, you know, she was more of a she remained a cult figure though. Uh, yeah. You know, she again, women in funk. She was, a, I think, a pioneer in that area. She, but she pushed the envelope with lyrics. Very mm. like, again, very early on. I know we've talked a lot about like uh, Carol King on Tapestry yep. doing. But her lyrics were sexually charged. Her performance style was very similar to that. And she had a very sexually aggressive personality on stage. And we're we're talking about this, um, you know, someone in the 70s doing this now. Mm. Before Carol, even early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. Betty Davis was a pioneer in a, in a lot of what she did. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah and, and, then, and she is sort of a... I mean, more of like a deep cut type funk artist, but um, once you listen to it, you're like, "Wow!" Yeah, like, 
it's it's great stuff. So it really check, is check out Bay very uh, very you know she really didn't do much after '79. No, which is unfortunate. But she released her song. She released a song in 2019. Uh, a little bit hot tonight, you know. Uh, you know, so she artists did, will do that sometimes. Yeah, so she pretty much lived a uh, a very um a very you know quiet life. But you know, I just looked it up. The uh, it was a one year marriage to Davis, and it was absolutely yeah. It was Miles Davis accused her of having an affair with Jimi Hendrix. By the way, well, Miles Davis had some problems. But, um, Miles, but Miles Davis and Hendrix were close too. That was that was part of why. Yeah, Miles Davis had his issues. There's no question about that. <laughs> he had his issues. Yeah. Uh, but no, Betty Davis. Check her out if you haven't. Yet. Really one of the unsung heroes of, of music in the last 50, 60 years. Yeah. Mm, I'd yeah. agree with that. I mean, yeah. I think she's gaining more notoriety, so hopefully people will check her out a bit yep. more. This one, Coop, now, I mean, especially for Hector, this is a big one, Andrew Fletcher. I had to break the news to Hector on this one, yeah. Mm. And for a minute, he didn't know what I was talking about. I think I said Fletch died. Uh, But then, you know, he put two and two together pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, so for those who don't know, he's one of the founding members of Depeche Mode. Now, from what I read, he actually got to experience them getting in the Hall of Fame before he died, which is nice. So yeah. I think he died the following year. Like, I yeah. think they got in the Hall of Fame last year. Yeah. Um. So that's good. Um. But he's a keyboardist. He's really been credited, from what I've read, around... Because he had the lead singer who was sort of in and out of the band and the band was sort of in and out because of his drug use, I believe. Yeah. And there are sort of a lot of people credit him with the only, with the person that really kept the band together, like during all of that. Um, and kind of kept them from totally splintering and falling apart. Uh, he was sort of the glue of the band that like everybody got along with. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, really, like for him, sort of the pinnacle for 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 him for Fletcher was was the Violator album. Yeah, totally. Um, like without him, I don't think you would get to that album because the band like implodes. Yeah. Um, so you know, both his musical style and his ability to keep the band together, like and get him to that album was was huge so i think yeah. i think a lot of credit to that record goes to goes to him yeah supposedly you know when uh, martin gore uh was having you know a dispute with dave gallion um Fletch mm. kind of had to be the mediator supposedly i mean that's what i read is he was sort of like the middle person that kept the band from just like totally disintegrating yep a lot of people said you know going back like charlie watts was maybe De facto in that role for the Stones, but from what I've read, uh, Fletcher was much more of the mediator. He kind of went in yeah. there and would really just get the guys in the room. Well, you know, Charlie Watts would work behind the scenes, I think, with it. But I think Fletcher was like, you know, get, let's get him in and let's 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 fix this. You know, when there's a disagreement, and and it, you're right, I think he kept the band together with that. Yeah, I mean, and so the songs I picked is uh, "Never Let Me Down Again," which is a song I just adore. Yeah, I love that song. Good song. Um, and then it's hard to pick one off of Violator, which is probably their biggest record. Um, but I picked Enjoy the Silence off of Violator. Um, man, that that album was huge when it came out. I remember. Yeah. 
but yeah, so uh, yeah, so I mean, and, and and there was a lot of outpouring from other musicians and stuff when he died as well. And and I guess the thing is too, Coop. Like I, I don't know what the future is going to be for Depeche Mode now. No, I don't know. You know, oh, they, I don't think I don't think one... they've I don't think they've announced anything from what I've seen. And he, because he was, I mean, it might be like a like a Led Zeppelin thing where like, you know, you lose a member and like, sorry, that's it, the band's done. We're not going to be able to replace him. Yeah, so, I mean, as of now, it's just uh, Gain and Gore. Yeah. So can they get along? I uh, would say probably not. Uh, you know they 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 released an album last year though, didn't they? But was I think the album was already done. It would have been already done. Yeah, I think the album was already done because uh, moment they they, they are okay. I just looked up; they are touring this year. I wonder who they're touring with, just like a studio fill or somebody. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's uh, and you have uh, a similar, well, kind of similar. You have a similar person, a person that wasn't like the lead vocal or anything, but was key to the band. Yeah, and I, but I do think this band will continue. Uh, oh, that, yeah, because there's some unique circumstances with it. Um, the band because they have someone who can probably fill the drum roll if they want. Uh, it's and this was probably I could argue one of the biggest deaths of the year for sure. Um, mm. a lot of people were hit by this one hard. Had the biggest uh, impact on music, I think. I think it had the biggest impact on music, and it was Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters. Mm. Um, and. You know, I know you're not the biggest Foo Fighters guy, right? But you can't no. argue this track record that this band has had. Oh, definitely and, not. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, so Foo Fighters, so Taylor Hawkins was a session musician. Uh, he was in a band called Sylvia. He was a touring musician with Alanis Morissette. And That's I guess crazy. the uh the story goes with this is so the Foo Fighters was started by Dave Grohl, who's a drummer mm. himself, right? But mm. he needed another drummer and they had this other drummer Named William Goldsmith, and uh, they they girl can't get along with him, and girl performs the drums on that on uh, on their on that album that they were working on, uh, which was the color and the shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time, uh, girl calls up Taylor Hawkins, who knows him, and says, "Hey, I need a drummer." And uh, girl was working with uh, you know he you know he knew that uh, Hawkins was working with Morissette. And he assumed that you didn't want to leave. And Hawkins says, "Hey, what about me?" And he comes in and joins mm-hmm. the band. So kind of a kind of a thing. Uh, and I guess what happened was they were they were in Columbia, scheduled to play a concert, and uh, that's when that's when he died. Yeah, and, it was in yeah yeah. And, and he, Hawkins was a high energy drummer. I think much more of a high. Like, Grohl had a reputation for being a great drummer, but Hawkins, I think, was the next level drummer that they had. Right. Mm. Um, but apparently the story is they, you know, he's dead in his hotel in Columbia. They believe they, they, it's not clear if drugs were used. He was known that he was using drugs, mm. but they found an enlarged heart, uh, yeah. in the autopsy, which is a bad thing. Um, but you know, you mentioned Dave, like in this circumstance, I think the Foo Fighters can go on, Dave Grohl can certainly drum in the studio and, you know, yeah. maybe they find someone to tour with. Right. So I, I, I don't think, think though. They're, yeah. They're rattled think, from it. Yeah. They're rattled. From yeah. It. Well, I mean, I think, and not being a huge Foo Fighters guy, but I think him being good and being able to be part of the band really is 
is sort of the unsung thing that allowed the Foo Fighters to be as popular as they were. Because the thing about that is it totally frees up Grohl to like just focus on the music and not on the drumming, which he didn't want to do. Yeah. So I think and I think what Taylor Hawkins does is it frees him up to take a little bit of stress off of him to focus more on the band, which allows the band to be as successful as it was. Like I think if he had a drum still, like I don't know how long that band lasts. Because I think right. he just gets burnt out. Right. Phil Collins did that with Genesis. He brought Chester Thompson in for the drums. Yeah. Uh, but Phil yeah. would do the studio stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. But I don't know. Were... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he just gets burnt out and he's like, I'm done or or what. But as they say in Star Wars, Dave, as Yoda says, there's another. That's and right. So the question is, and you know, this is kind of going back to the Led Zeppelin analogy. Um, Shane Hawkins at the tribute concert in, in Wembley deli- performs My Hero with the band. Oh, that was great. And, you know, I had heard, I'd heard all, you know, people were just like, wow, Shane Hawkins on the drums. I'm like, okay, maybe it's people getting caught up in a moment. It's emotional. There's sons playing with, you know, band. And, and then I watched that thing and this kid, like, it was, this kid was like, it was almost like his father was right in him just Mm. to perform. I mean, he's a little young, I think, to be in the Foo Fighters. So I don't know if that will happen. You know, I don't know how. You know, Jason Bonham, I don't think, was ever comfortable stepping into his father's role. No. Zeppelin. Yeah. And, and and I don't think his kid will be. But but the kid's got a future. This kid will be a star. Oh, definitely. Shane Hawkins. Uh, for sure. But, you know, maybe they use him on a tour. I don't see him becoming a member of the Foo Fighters. I mean, maybe they make music forever. So, you know, <laughs> you never know. They seem to be the band that, like, never dies. But I'm telling you, man, if after that performance, I guarantee you this kid's gotten calls. Hey, can you drum oh, on my song? So, yeah. It's a great performance. Like, I, I, I suggest people look it up. Yeah, it, uh, it, it is. Yeah, it is. It was legendary. It was, you know, when we were doing music moments last week, I forgot to put this one in there. It should have been on there. It was a highlight for me. Yeah. Because I didn't expect, it, I just thought everyone was going to be, oh, it's the kid, you know. But. Um, There's a big buzz around it, too. Big bu- like, yeah, yeah, really, really buzz, good. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I picked three what songs. songs you got. So I picked three different style songs. Um, I picked Rope, which is you want that boom mm. drums from uh, mm-hmm. from uh, Hawkins. You get that in the song. And then I picked Night Fever on from the D the mm. DG's album that they did mm-hmm. the Foo Fighters. Right. You don't have the crashing drums, but you have kind of that Charlie Watts. Uh, it, 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 I guess the best thing is Hawkins almost imitates a drum machine in that song. Right, just solid. Just, it's solid. Yeah. And so, in fact, it was interesting when I was just doing some lookups of the song, a lot of people commented on Hawkins drumming in that song. And I'm like, okay, I'm not that far off base with that. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And then I picked My Hero because I think that not only was a great Taylor Hawkins drum, but this whole thing we just talked about oh, with the next the, generation. Yeah. It launched the band. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the next person. I think this was pretty a pretty notable uh, passing this year that a lot of people talked about, and I think it brought up, and that's Christine McVie. Yep. Um, and I don't know about you, Coop, but I think two there seems to be like two camps of people, like the Stevie Nicks camp and the Christine McVie camp. Yes. Like people that are like, you know, the the. Fleetwood Mac to me is Chrissy McVie and other people that are like, I love Stevie Nicks. I, I agree. I think there was always a split with that. Um, and uh, I think that's also 
the fact that they had two female, they had three lead vocalists of the band, and two female mm. lead vocalists made mm. it um made it really a great thing. Uh, you know, Dave, I asked the question here: Where does she rank in all time female musicians? She's got to. I mean, I think she, she's very underrated when you list. Like, yeah, we've done female music shows before. We're, we're going to do a women in music show, and, and you know, shame on me, I haven't mentioned Christine McVie. I mean, because she, her career is amazing. And her I think you mentioned the, yeah. I think you mentioned the problem is that she's in a band with Stevie Nicks. Well, I think look, that's the issue. Look, when Stevie Nicks is on stage twirling and stuff like that, and Christine's behind a keyboard, like, uh, and when, you know, in the early days, um, I mean, they kind of used a little more of the sexual image of Stevie Nicks for sure with the, uh, you know, they just kind of pushed the sex angle a little more with Stevie Nicks, I think, early on. That changed. That would change. But, you know, I think that was part of the problem, too. I mean, it's like it's like the classic Beatles problem. Is that, like, George Harrison's very underrated as a songwriter because he's in a band with John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Right. right. I and mean, the, that's, that's the problem. Yeah, and the other thing that was a problem was Christine left the band in 97, 98 time frame. She retired. Mm-hmm. So she took about 14, 15 years off. Then she came back in the mid-2010s. But, um, you know, that was when the band was going through what I call the backpacking tour. You know, everyone was, like, celebrating the band for long years of success. And she wasn't really a part of the band during those years. So, no. you know, that's when, that's when, like, you know, they to- you know they, t- they were touring kind of like the Stones would tour at this point. Yeah. You know, they I mean, just kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say Christy McVie is by far the most underrated member of Fleetwood Mac. I do too. I, I'll believe it or not, I'll put Lindsay as underrated for his contributions. But the difference was Lindsay was in the front a lot with the vocals. Yeah, yeah. Christine was probably Stevie and uh, Lindsay had more vocals than she did, though. But a key songwriter she was. Mm. So what? What? Uh, what uh, songs did you pick for? Um... So, Christine. so I, I picked, and this one's I just love this song, right? Um, it, this is You Make Love and Fun. So mm. this was part of the drama of rumors, okay? Where <laughs> well, so, so, so Christine McVie marries John McVie, the bass player. And during the time of rumors, their start their marriage is falling apart. I don't think they were divorced till after the album went out, but they were falling apart. So she writes this song that she was inspired by her affair she was having with the band's lighting director. Right. Yeah. So so when when she brings the song to, you know, this recording session, she tells John McVie the song's about their dog. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 So. So. But and, and by the way, that's a big I look at it, if you ever hear the Mac part of Fleetwood Mac. That's all about her vocals and John's bass in that song. Mm. John's bass in that song is the best he's done. I mean, so so that's that's that part. She had another song on on rumors called Songbird. And she was kind of she kind of got the nickname the songbird because mm. of that. and that's a power piano ballad. It kind of gets lost with a lot of the other hits off of rumors, but a really good piano power ballad by her. Uh then there Hold Me, which came out the Mirage mm. album. Uh yeah, and that yeah. was inspired by her now. She does a duet with Lindsay on that. She doesn't do a lot of duets with Lindsay. That's one way she does right. a duet with Lindsay. And that was inspired by a very tumultuous relationship she had with Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. Oh, I think yeah. everything with the Beach Boys is tumultuous. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. But uh, yeah, I can say. Uh, 
and then he uh, then they do Tango in the Night in '87 uh, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and that song's you're hearing that song a lot being used on uh, commercials lately. I think mm. it, it's got a really cool beat to it. And then she also had a solo uh, career; it wasn't huge. And she did no. a song in the '80s that uh, you probably heard it on the radio and may not realize mm. it's her. Uh, it's called "Got a Hold on Me." Yep, great song. Uh, yeah, uh, but you know, there were a lot of other songs of her. Um, just uh, and she was back with the band by the way the last few years. Just so people know. So, you know, but now Lindsay's kicked out of the band. Now, we don't like I don't know what the future of Fleetwood Mac is because now you have oh, basically who knows? you only have yeah, you don't know like, the only singer they have now is Stevie Nicks. Mm hmm So her by the way, her main name was Perfect, and it was just a perfect nickname for her. Ooh. She was perfect. She was perfect. Nice. Uh just uh I, I would have loved to have met her. She's yeah, like, just talk music with her. She seems really cool. Yeah, yeah no, good, uh, good, good uh, job bringing. Yeah, because she's very overshadowed by yeah. Stevie. Yeah. Um, because Stevie just like takes all the action out of that band, really. But um, no, it's great. Oh, I love this next one. You're gonna pick after this, though. It's a hero, Australian hero, Coop. Oh, she's my hero. Olivia Newton-John, even though she's born in England. Listen, we claim her. We all loved Olivia. Back Everybody claims Olivia. Yeah. Um. Olivia Newton-John, this is quite surprising, to be honest. Um, there was, it was huge news here in Australia, of course, because everybody loves Olivia Newton-John right. in Australia. Um, she spent a lot of time in Australia, so we have claimed her. I think Melbourne is where she lived most of the time. Yeah. Um, very Bee Gees-like. Because weren't the Bee Gees, didn't they, weren't they born in England? When they the, came Bee Gees, over? the Bee Gees had the Australian-England connection as well. Yeah. I think they were Australia and went to England. Oh, okay. Oh, vice versa. You may be right. I have to look that one up now. I can't remember. But there There's is a, something like yeah. that. Yeah. There's a connection there. Uh, I think I think she's most well known for Greece, but I don't want to underrate her no. solo pop career because that was quite big as well. Yeah. Oh, BJ's Britain. BJ's Britain, by the way. Yeah. They were yeah. born in Britain. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry about like that. I think, like I said, like most people know her from Greece, but I think I don't want to underrate her pop career. Like she, I think she was more known as like the movie star in Greece and like movies, but I, I don't. But her pop career around that like '80s with physical, like I don't want to undersell that because it was quite successful. Oh, but she was having some hits in the '70s. She was kind of yeah. like the sweet ballad artist in the '70s for a while. You know, I honestly I think love Greece, you. Yeah, yeah. I think Greece overshadows that part of her career like that solo part but i don't want to i don't want to shortchange her there so yeah so i mean i mean obviously for greece summer nights is probably one of the best songs like ever um and physical which i think is what she's known for like solo wise that was probably your biggest hit by far yeah yeah and when would that have come out coop like 80 80 81 81 82 yeah around that time it was very early 80s because so, Dave, you know, here's a really interesting thing about physical is the, the movie Grease. In the movie Grease, she plays that character, Sandy, and she undergoes this transformation from yep. good girl to kind of like bad girl. With uh, right. with Pinky, Tuscadero. Right, transforms right. Her coup. Right, right, right. So the, she actually goes through this transformation in real life with the physical album because mm. she was the good girl artist. And now she comes out with physical, a very sexually charged song, no matter how you slice it. That song was all about sell 
I mean, and he, the video, I mean, the, the suggestive lyrics, this was a, he kind of really went through that in real life, you know, is kind of the thing. Well, I know in Australia, like that later career for her was she'd be put out singles every now and then she would show up on like concerts. She would do guest appearances on shows like she was like an Australian icon, yeah. like she could and she would come up every now and then. Um, so her death is very surprising because she's she's such a part of the culture here. Sure. That it was quite it was quite a surprising one. It was. She was sick. For, I know she had cancer for a long time. Uh, yeah, she battling. Did. I um I got a sales award in two thousand seven, and like we got a trip to Hawaii out of it. Oh, right. Nice. Yeah, really cool. My wife and I went to Hawaii, and uh at the awards thing, uh the keynote speaker was John Travolta. Really? Uh, I got to meet Travolta. Yeah, I got to meet Travolta and everything. And I'll never – he talked a lot about his friendship with her. Very, yeah. very, very close friendship they had. Because uh, he, he talked – and very positive he just talked about her. Um, And it was very interesting. I, you know, I, I always thought they were joined at the hip of the movie. They did another movie together, which wasn't as big mm. a hit. But they were very much – and then they did the Christmas album together a few years ago. Yes. Yep. Um. So there was a very close bond with those two. The other thing, Dave, that was interesting is you may know more about the story. He had like a boyfriend who disappeared and never was found again. Like he, yeah, he, he like vanished. And and the, the the reports are he went to just some island to live, like as a hermit or something like that. <laughs> just bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. Uh, so that was supposed, yeah. But yeah, Olivia. Yeah. Good on you. Uh, but yeah, man, I tell you what, she was a heartthrob. Um. And now the next one, th- I, I reached out to Sensei for this, and, and I, I didn't hear from him because um, I wanted his sort of input, and that is for Terry Hall. He had reached out to and me this- on this, actually, like, just let me know what happened. He actually yeah. called me. Yeah. Because if you know, when Sensei was on the show and we talked about The Clash and it kind of got into and then we had a ska show where we talked about Two-Tone, Terry Hall was sort of he in the two-tone movement in England because he oh, was yeah. the lead oh, vocal yeah. of the specials. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's going to jumpstart a whole musical movement when it comes to ska. Uh, and for people that don't kind of know two-tone, so two-tone's sort of like, I think that was the, the label, and it's sort of this mix of dance hall, a bit of punk, and a bit of reggae, which kind of comes up with the ska, which is, ska is sort of like, a slang term for the reggae beat. It's yeah. like a certain four four beat. We did a ska show. We did a ska show. We did a ska show with Eric. Yeah, so you could check that out. But um, but sort of like the specials in the Clash. Uh, really paved the way for what's going to happen later in the U.S. in the '90s with like Rancid and other ska bands and stuff like that. It's sort of that coming. They're sort of piggybacking on the two tone sound. Yeah, and he was he was instrumental in that, and and and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Coop, but Sensei was a huge fan of the specials and 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 oh Terry yeah, Hall. oh yeah, like I said, he was very upset when when it happened, um, and uh, you know, like I said, I remember he talked about the specials on our show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is uh, a very you know a lot. This is an artist some folks may not know. He's not a household name. But if you follow this genre of music, you know, Terry Hall was an iconic vocalist in this space. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that I think I think what gets Terry Hall is that the specials was such a large ensemble group. Like, I think people don't recognize individual names within the group, but when they hear like, "Oh, he was the lead singer of the specials," they're yep. like, "Oh my god!" Yep. Um, but yeah, so some music from him. Monkey Man, I love that song. Love that song. Um, I, it's one of my favorites. Uh, and then, but you get like, if you really want to understand, like, what we mean by two tone, what we mean by ska, I think a really good example is Dawning of a New Era, because yep. it really showcases that mix of sort of English punk, which was around that time, and that like reggae dance hall sort of is a good is a good it's a good sort of um example of that yeah which really is what made up the two-tone and i think terry i think the specials were still doing like touring and stuff quite you know late yeah they were i mean i think this one too this death too sent a like was was pretty big news because i think this sort of was like kind of popped up and and a lot of people were big fans of terry hall yeah, uh, definitely the case. Uh, definitely the case with Terry Hall. Um, like I said, he was in that in that genre. You know, this is one of the big names. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. for sure. Definitely, and and the contributions he made to that genre just can't be underestimated. No, no. I mean, a lot of a lot of that sort of punk ska, like, is still sort of based off that two tone sound now. Yep. No. Yep. I agree. I agree. That was a big loss. That was a big loss. That was yeah, a big it was. Year loss. Yeah, big year loss. This next artist, it's sort of one of those um artists that like some of these have been shocking and some of them have just been like, you know, a a a, a good close to a excellent life and career. And I think that's Loretta Lynn. I didn't realize she was 90 years old either. When she yeah, died. she, well, yeah. She didn't seem 90, yeah. Even though she, no. had, she had kind of retired, but yeah. Mm. She did. Um, Loretta Lynn, contemporary of Dolly Parton. And she sort of had a same, a similar vibe, whereas she was like working class, a lot of uh, feminist uh, messages in her songs, similar to Dolly. I mean, I guess her and Dolly, you could kind of look at as the new wave of women country music, like when they came out. Yeah. Um I mean I mean Loretta Lynn had a song about the pill. The pill. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Like that's I, pretty pretty, that's pretty bold. Cutting edge. Yeah, again again you talk about when those came out, you know, seventies, yeah. eighties. Yeah. Uh, For a woman country artist to like yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um No, but great artist. She sort of uh, she was putting out music as late as tw- 2021. Yeah, she had retired from touring, but like I said, she still was yes. doing stuff. Yeah, get a comeback because of um, I think it might have been eight years ago, maybe maybe not that long ago, maybe five. Um, Jack White like produced a record for her. Interesting, I didn't know that. And she had this like brief comeback. Um, very late in her career, obviously. Um, but no, I, you gotta love Loretta Lynn. I mean, like I said, she sort of has similar themes to Dolly, uh, with her working class background and stuff. So one of her major songs is "Coal Miner's Daughter," 
Yep. Which is so, like iconic. That's the uh, film and they Fist basically... City. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the film, yeah. And then Fist City Coop. Yeah. Where oh, she yeah. talks about like beating up women that try to take her man. Exactly. I love that. I love it, yeah. What But no, Loretta Lynn, I think um I think she gets overshadowed because she was a contemporary of Dolly Parton. She, but she had a run in the 70s. She was voted Artist of the Decade by the Academy. Oh, yeah. Music. 24 number one hit singles, 11 number one albums. Uh, in the Grammys, she had 18 nominations and only won three times. But the Grammys are a much more competitive field in a lot of ways. But, but I, mean, I think the was, thing with – yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just like, what a crack record she had. Oh, yeah. I think the thing with her, she never had that – crossover hit no. like 9 to 5 or something. No, Coal Miner's Daughter was the closest thing she came to close, and that was because of the film more mm. or less, but not the music never crossed over, you're right. She kind of stayed in that that country sect, you know, that Nashville sect. Yeah, uh, which might okay. be why she, she, she didn't get as much like widespread acclaim as she should have. Right. Because she lacked that sort of crossover. Yeah. Yeah, she, uh, just a monster career she had too. Um, she was married for forty eight years to this guy Oliver, and I heard, uh, yeah, that was a pretty rocky. You know, if you watch the movie, you 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 see it as well. Rocky marriage yeah. for, for sure. Yeah. Now yeah, the, the, yeah. The, this this next one, Coop, I would say next to Taylor Hawkins, this was probably the biggest uh event of the of the. The year, like with death wise, yeah, yeah, most surprising I, and probably biggest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Coolio, mm. um, you know, Coolio, I look at him, he came up during the again, if I have to, he, I think he's one of these guys, he's in that pioneering class of, of hip hop, uh, not maybe so much the run DMC days, but you know, 90s when the 90s started coming, and uh. Coolio will always be remembered uh, for winning when he won that 1995 Grammy. Uh, Hip hop was divided. There was this West Coast, East Coast feud going on. Yeah. And, you know, basically he gave those famous statements. You know, uh, I'd like to claim this Grammy on behalf of the whole hip hop nation. West Coast, East Coast and worldwide united we stand, divided we fall. And this feud was bad. I mean, it. This feud led to the deaths of Tupac Shakur and, and Notorious B.I.G. during this period. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. this was a this was a very rough period going on. Um, but Coolio, he also had his problems. He had his problems, uh, you know, with the law. Arrested a few mm. times. Another guy, he was arrested at the airport. He was arrested at the airport for finding a carrying with a firearm. Right. Um, yeah. He. He was denied entry into Singapore for some strange reason. You know, and they wouldn't let him in there. Uh, and he ran for president once, uh, 2020, yes. <laughs> on the Democratic ticket. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Coolio, I think, uh, like I said, I think you can't underscore what he was in, in the 90s and what he did. Um, he's got two great songs, um, mm. Gangsta's Paradise, which is, yeah, I think that's his classic. That's his, like, signature song. Uh, yeah. But I'm a big fan of this other song, Fantastic Voyage. Oh, yeah. It's that was got, his big his first big hit, I think. That was his first big hit, yeah. And it's got the um it's got that old school 70s vibe to it with the hip hop, you know, obviously with hip hop. But you know, in the and it kind of has these overtones or undertones of the 70s, you know, kind of mm. music in there. I think it's a great song there as well. Um, you know, I never saw Coolio kind of get 
you this may be my lack of hip hop knowledge. Did Coolio kind of ever get invited to some of these like hip hop like you know, he wasn't at the Super Bowl last year, for example, right? No. You know, but he kind of seemed like he was on, on the outside a lot. Uh I don't know if it yeah. goes back to those early days or not. I think because after Gangster's Paradise, it sort of sort of like faded away, really. Yeah. He did. Um yeah. So yeah, he was sort of on the like never really got the credit he deserved really until um until re- like probably recently just before his death, to be honest. Yeah. Um yeah, by the way, folks that know Coolio was not his real name. It was artist uh Leon Ivy Jr. Mm-hmm. Um so uh you know, but the, they, there's also some some you know there was some suspicions on how he died as well. Because he was found dead mm. in, on a bathroom floor, and they don't think there were drugs or foul play, but um, they look like he went to cardiac arrest. So, but not really sure yeah. what ever happened with that. I don't know if that ever came out. No, I don't think. I mean, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, but you're right. That was a big. That was a big loss. Um, that was a big loss as well. Um, for sure. The uh, the other thing is he released a cookbook. I found out too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but the other thing is Coolio. The other thing is it's important, and we we really didn't, I didn't really mention the Caesar in the notes. Um, he was part of Tommy Boy Records, which was a big mm-hmm. part of that hip hop rise. It was with Tommy Boy Records, and Fantastic Voyage was released on Tommy Boy Records. So, um, you know, a big part, big part of that certainly. Uh, but it was Gangsta's Paradise that I think really kind of almost crossed him over, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um which was interesting. And then eventually he would leave Tommy boy records. Um, so yeah, it was a, that was a bad loss. I think for sure. Uh, he was, um, 59. He wasn't that old. No. Yeah. He had, but he, in the other days he had 10 kids. Yeah. He had a lot of kids. Yeah. I got two last ones here. Yep. One is Naomi Judd, who I think, I mean, is a big name in country. I think a lot of people know of the Judds. Yeah. Um, with her daughter Winona, who Winona I read is kind of has some health concerns at the moment. Yep. Um. Uh, they did cross over, sort of in that like they had a lot of success. I think their main success is sort of in that '90s era. Yep. Uh, and uh, they're very so Naomi is very close to Dolly and, and Loretta Lynn. Um. Like the like when she died, Dolly put out a lot of a lot of tweets and stuff around their uh, relationship. Um, I mean, I don't know, Coop. I mean, the Judd's sort of a name that people know of, but I don't know how popular their music was. Like people knew of the Judd's, so I think they did a lot of TV and stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, but might not know the songs as much. Yeah, they don't, and I I, I think you're nailed that one hundred percent. You know, unfortunately, this is one of the sadder things, right? The judge, what was that? What do they always say about the judge is that the daughter looked younger than Naomi. I always felt yeah, bad yeah, for yeah. Naomi. They constantly said that. And by the way, I think Naomi was a beautiful woman. So it was, um, she always looked young. Uh, she was 76, Dave, and she had mental illness problems, was apparently what led to her death. Oh, yeah. She had a lot of. Yeah, she had like a lot of health problems life. towards the end. Yeah, just, yeah. But they were well, because but they were scheduled Dave to go be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame when she died. I think it was right, right. on the eve, right on the eve of this. Um, and then they were gonna go uh, on a tour. 
which they're going to call the mm. final tour. Um, so another one though, Dave, another one, like you said, with Dolly and Loretta Lynn, working class woman as well, kind of went yep. through this to, uh, started like she was a single mom and her and Wyona were not getting along and they basically turned to music to bring them together. Yeah. And, and they put out some, some big songs. I mean, their biggest songs were sort of why not me girls night out is another Great good song, song yeah. but it's sort of that heyday of. The, the 90s, I think, of 90s didn't, country that really... Didn't, cro- didn't cross over either to the point... Like, I, they didn't cross over musically, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, musically, I think... Thing. I think culturally they did, because a lot of people knew who they were. It was a mother-daughter thing, which was a big but deal. Didn't, yeah. But didn't know the music as much. Yeah. I, I definitely um, agree with you on that one. But yeah, it's it, really good it music. was a yeah. big loss, yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and the last one I have is another hip-hop one. And this is Takeoff. Who this was another surprising one. Yeah. So he was a key member of Migos, which is a band sort of on the rise. Yeah. Um, and and they're sort of t- so Migos is sort of like a sort of twist on your southern sort of trap mm-hmm. uh, rap. Um, and they really took they really took trap and just shot it into the stratosphere. Yeah. Like, with their records, I mean their early ones. Uh, so take off. So he was in the group uh, with Offset, and then his uncle Quavo was the other member of of Migos. And he was actually at the time of his death, he was recording a record with Quavo at that time, and that record got released um, this year. I don't know if it was released after his death or just right before. I can't. I'd have to look at the timeline on that. Um, but no, excellent artist. I mean, the band. Uh. Right after the art album was released, it was okay. Yeah, because the the band, I think Migos, at first was seen of like, oh man, this might just be a one hit wonder band, and then and then they just started putting out really good hip hop and and sort of like changing trap music and a lot of the hip hop around them. And you're like, oh no, this is a band that's you know here to stay. Um, and unfortunately, he died. I think he, he died by a gunshot at like yeah. a bowling alley during some like. Um, dice game or something and I think it was like not even involving him like I think it was just like uh, there was a fight between other people and he was just sort of there at the wrong place wrong time I think it was something like that yeah Um, and and he was real young like wasn't he in his 20s or something he was 32 oh 32 no Man. I'm sorry I'm sorry Uh, 28 28 yeah. my mistake 28 yeah so very That's young, crazy. very yes. young, yeah. Way went way too young, and it's unfortunate. Um, yeah, yeah. And this was just, and it's, and I think this one really shook everybody because Migos is this huge band, and he's getting killed at some random, you know, dice game in Houston somewhere. And you're like, what? How does this happen? And and yeah, I mean, it sparked off a lot of conversation around gun violence because, like, he was just sort of there. Uh, a lot of conversation around, um, you know, just just that sort of environment anyway, around like guns being around all the time, and and, and that that made a recipe for disaster for him. Yes. Um, because like I said, I I like to my knowledge, like he wasn't even involved. He was just sort of there. I I, I don't think so. Yeah. Because I think it was a I think it was a altercation with two other people. Yeah. They and uh yeah I believe that was um. 
He was shot in the, he was shot twice, once in the head too, like two bullets. Once. That's just um, you know. So I don't like I said I don't think it was a case where someone was looking to wasn't a first. I mean, I'm not trying to underscore it. Uh, no, he, yeah, it was. I think he was just not where it was in a place that was really bad. Yeah, um, just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, there was some argument that led to a shooting, but I don't know if he was involved with the shooting. But I don't think yeah, he was. Yeah, I think it was an argument with like two other people. Yeah, or like other people what... separate to him. Exactly. And he was just there, and yeah. and I, and 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 I think this this record too is supposed to be coming together him and Quavo, and it was like really anticipated. Um, so it's just sad all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. And so the songs for him is, I guess the first one I have is Hotel Lobby, which is a track off of his new record with Quavo. Yep. Um, which was released in 2022. And you might see on the oops list, just a little bit of a foreshadow there. Uh-huh. Um, and Bad and Bougie, that's probably the one that most people know. Because that's the one that got Migos like on the map. It has like, you know, 300 million hits on it or whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like if you listen to if you listen to the music and you listen to Southern Trap now, a lot of it is sort of piggybacking off of stuff Takeoff and, and Quavo and, and, and Offset were doing. Um. So quite influential, even though the career was cut drastically short. Um. But quite influential anyway. Yeah, it's a sad but, one. Uh, oh, that was a sad one. And I and I think that was relatively relatively recent, wasn't it? Like maybe a couple months ago or something? Yeah. Yeah, it was November first. Yeah, I just yeah, I'm, no. thinking, I'm just thinking but what is this was so sad because this guy so young and, and um Oh yeah. I think there was a lot of future. But we, you know, we really just hadn't seen what he can do yet, even so. This was a... it's it's a lot like when you look at like Hendrix or Kurt Cobain or Janis Joplin. It's like those careers cut so drastically short when they're right on the cusp of, you know, really changing things, and you just wonder like, well, what else could we have seen? And obviously for Quavo, like I mean, his uncle's in the band, and like there when he dies like that's just got to be you know unbelievable for him yeah no it is it is very sad yeah one that will be missed for sure but like i said but you know i mean this gives this is just people that hoop and i felt you know especially connected to but it gives it gives sort of like an overview of some of the major names and their influences and stuff no, it does. Um, and you know, it always, like I said, it's uh, it kind of I like looking back and celebrating the music that they do, um, which I think is you know, what we could you know, it's sad that these artists have left us, but there's a uh, their music kind of is one thing that's really unique is their music really lives on, and mm. uh, that's a that's a very you know that's one thing that music brings to the table, that um, you know um, is something really uh. You know, really, really something special. You know, there, there were, and there were, you know, we didn't even mention this. Others like Mickey Gilly passed away. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Rydell was a Philly artist. So, I mean, there, there were others that went for sure. Um, and certainly shouldn't be understated, you know. So, 
Um, but yeah, but like I said, I think the good thing is we can always they always carry on with their music too. Hmm. Now to move to the to the new music coop. Yeah. New music forty five. Yes. Um. So of course I want to mention um Cigar Hustler, located in um Deltona, Florida. They have a uh, great shop to go to. Great, uh, great humidor, great ground, uh, great customer service. Can't say enough about all those things. Uh, something for everybody in there. Boutiques, mainstay brands. If you can't get to uh, Deltona, Florida, go to CigarHustler.com. Get on their email list. Uh, if you want to learn about the latest, uh, the latest releases, um, like when they're going to be available, get on their email list because it will come to you. And if it's limited, you better order it quick. Is what I'm just telling you because they do go. Those emails have their impact. Mm. Uh, they do go. Um, certainly, as well, you should check out the Postani brand, um, which is mm. their brand. Um, and recently, the number four cigar of the year on the Cigar Coop Countdown Ooh. was the Postani Warbear 2010, the rounded version. Um, so, yes, it, that that's a very, you know. A very high-ranking cigar for me it was in, in the last. What a what a what a great line the War Bear is. Um, that Toro is something special they really have. So, um, you know, they, and then of course they have the Cigar Hustlers podcast, um, mm. which I'm I'm anxious to see what they're going to say on the podcast about this number four rating. Oh, they'll love it. So, oh, I'm sure they're going. I'm sure He's they posted yeah. about it already. I know. Yeah, you know, he posted about it. And he kind of poked at a few people too, because they didn't get a lot of love on the year list this year. Um. Endless, is that but... because of when it was released? Because I know for you it was released in this sort of like well, gray did... area in between. Yeah, and they did the box press. And and here's what I'll say. Mm. I know some people didn't like the box press as much, right? I was one of them, but yep. I think what happens is sometimes line extensions don't get the love either. And that was a line extension. Um Yeah, okay. So and a lot of people, yeah, amazing it's not, cigar. It's an amazing cigar. I, yeah, I, I'm. I wasn't a big. I'll be honest. I like the rounded better than the box press. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie. And I like the perfecto that they did before that. Um, but I was surprised I didn't see any yes. SBC twenties on the list or anything like that this year. Oh, it's a good cigar. Yeah, they really. I mean, you you got me some of those um as well. So yeah, I mean, I think it. I just was a little surprised they didn't get a little more love this year because I think the stuff that that they're getting out of Nico Sueño is really good stuff right now. So. I mean, um, and this isn't because Mike's a nice guy. No, but I mean, all no, their stuff is hitting for me, Coop. I mean, I've been a little hit or miss not... on. I've been hit or miss on some of the other booths. Like the booth stuff's been pretty good, but uh, you know, but but limiteds tend to be like that with me. Limiteds always hit or miss with me. Uh, I I really would love to see these guys come out with a core line, though. I really think they need a Connecticut. I'd love to see Postani Connecticut, okay. Mike. That's my wish list. Ooh. I think that's what they're missing right now. Candela, they're missing a Candela, Coop. I don't think they'll do the Candela because no. of Skip. I think they'll be Skip, very yeah. He does I think, good ones. So. Yeah, and I think they'll and I think I think they'll respect that. But I I do think look, I would love to see. We know what Skip can do with Connecticut, and I would love to see these guys with Postani's uh, interpretation of a Connecticut what it would be. That's why I think it would be, and I think it would be a home run for them because they'd reach a lot of new consumers with it. Oh yeah, I think yeah. I think I think Skip's teased. An SBC 2022, yeah, or a new SBC. I saw something about that. I haven't seen. They didn't do a war bear for 2022 though. No, but sometimes they skip. The but bear. sometimes they skip. They skipped SBC one year. Remember too. So they don't. It's not. Yeah. Well, they got 16, 18, and 20. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so they and tend to do that every two years. That's been an every oh. two year release. Yeah. But yeah. no, I mean his his collaborations have all hit for me, like the Bangarang and now the Shepherd. The Bangarang was really good. Yeah, oh, the episode, yeah. And I like how they did. They kept Postani to be a Nika Sueño brand, and then these mm. other ones are just like one offs that they're doing with it's other kind people. of one offs. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty good what they're doing with that. Yeah. So uh, we have to get Mike back on the show. So. I know he's a busy man though. They got like a media empire. They got a media empire. Uh, you know they did what Dave did. Um, they've actually turned their studio into a business. Yeah, uh, with Dave Groff, I'm referring to, and I think that was a smart. You know, I always wanted Paul to do that with Stogie Geeks. The problem with Paul is he had so many shows already under the security umbrella, he couldn't really do. Yeah, it. but it was a you know what a what a way to kind of just pay for the studio itself. Yeah, they got a bunch of shows running out of there now. Yeah. Um. Yep. Exactly. But enough about giving Mike pub. I mean, he's got his own podcast, Coop. What are we doing? Um, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to new music. So, side A, I got Song Jin Cho. And you're like, what? With Handle Sweet in B flat major. Now, my New Year's resolution was to try to get in more classical music. So, here we go. Yes. Um, I was a little surprised at this, but this was, you did a good job with this, by the way, too. So, I want to get in. So I'm trying to I'm trying to to keep to that. And so uh, Song Jin Cho is a well-regarded South Korean pianist who is doing what he calls the Handle Project. Uh, and it is playing his favorite suites by Handle for piano. And uh, I guess for me, the classical music I like the most is piano because I find it very emotive. Uh, and there's just a lot of warmth and emotion behind the piano that I like. Mm -hmm. yep. And this is really good. Um, and he's, he's put out some other records. Like he's quite a well-regarded pianist. So, um, if you, if you, if you find a hard entry point to classical music, I think this is a very easy entry point because it's, 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 it's piano, like it's a very accessible instrument. And so I think this is a very good entry point. If you want to yep. like me, get into more classical music, mm -hmm. uh, check this out. Uh, now the album, I don't know if the album's out yet. This this might just be like the single off it, but um, you can have a look for that. And this last one, Coop, this could be in your new oldies too for twenty twenty three. It's Baba Mall. Yes, uh, I uh, I had not heard of this song till I looked at the notes and I did check it out. Yep. So it's a uh, Yeramayu celebration. Yeramayu celebration. I'm sorry. So Baba yep. Mall, if people don't know. He's a Senegalese artist who was best known for his stuff like in 89 and the 90s. Um, but recently, he's been gaining a lot of a bit of a comeback because he's been a key vocalist on the Black Panther scores. Um, on the Wakanda scores. And so he's been kind of like got a boost from that. And that has prompted him to put out the single, which is going to be the lead single off his first studio record in like seven years. So I put his voice as otherworldly. So I'm just very excited for this record when it comes out. Um, so check check this out, Yermaya Celebration. It it check it out and check out his work on the Wakanda on the Black Panther scores uh, yeah. as well. No, I'm looking forward to doing some classical music stuff this year too. So I'm pretty excited about the, that. Yeah. Oh, and you got you got my oops one. Yeah. Um. Nailufer Yanya, is that how you say it? Yep. Yep. Um, this song, I, I'll tell you how I found this song. Mm. 
Um, I got something. Uh, I got a link sent to me. Um, and how did I get this link? It was like a. I forget how I got the link, but I got a link, right? And it took me to this video, uh, which was like a actually a live performance of this song, a hidden live performance of this song, right? Uh, and the song is stabilized, right? Mm -hmm. And I just started listening to this, and and Yanya, she's a twenty-seven-year-old indie rock artist from um from England, and um I just was like, wow, this is really um really good. She's kind of like it's she's kind of got a, a little bit of a nervous energy to her, is I guess the best way to put it, but to me. It seems like this is just something. It was just something very different that I heard, and um, mm. and you know, I've heard her. I've heard her describe. Did a little more research on her afterwards. I've heard her described as a trip hop artist, right? Mm. And a, a trip hop artist is a fusion of hip hop and electronic music. Uh, with a, yeah, with a little bit of alternative rock. I, I I like this song a lot. Stabilize was just a really good song, and it's it's one of her hits that this was released. Oh, this the song was released in 2022, so it is a new song on mm -hmm. that. Um, but I liked it, Dave. I just thought it was a great song. Oh yeah, um, it's it is very interesting, and I'll have my thoughts on the Oops series. Yeah, I'm curious where it ra ranks soon. on the Oops list because um, it hasn't come out yet. Now, now what I'll tell you about the Oops list is I don't really rank them as such. It's more like here's songs I forgot. Okay, so they're not right. Yeah. So they're numbered, but it's not really okay. So you're not ranking them. Number, really. That's right. I no. forgot about that. Yes, you're not ranking those. Yeah. No. I think it's a. I think, um, uh, yeah, I think it's a. It would have been. I'm surprised I didn't see any Grammy love for this song. It was good for the alternate space, at least. Was, yeah. Good, good song. It was a good song. Stabilizes the song. Yeah. Stable or oh, stable size? It's kind of. Am I? It's stable. It's stable. No, stabilized. Stabilized. St stabilized. Yeah. But yeah. But not Z E, it's S E at the end. Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. Could be the European spelling. Yeah, exactly. Um now my album archaeology. Great pick on this one. I love this pick. This also, I think, is for people like there's very few classical crossover artists. Like Yo Yo Ma is one, obviously. Um the other one is this guy, Philip Glass. Now I think if you want to get into if you, too, have a New Year's resolution to get into more classical music like I do, I think this is a very good opening opening uh, point, like a very good ac uh, access point. It's yeah. Philip Glass with his album Glassworks. I would say it's probably the most well-known classical experimentalist artist, Philip Glass. Yeah, he uh, is, for sure. Yeah. I really love his work. I think... That this this album I picked it has probably the, his most famous, which is "Opening," the song yeah. "Opening." I think is probably the most famous song that he has. But he's done a lot of movie scores and stuff. Uh, I think a lot of songs on here will sound familiar to people, so I think uh, it's a good one to check out. I I agree. Now you know Philip Glass has been around a long time. Oh yes, he's like he's eighty five. He's eighty five. Yeah. yeah, he's not a. Uh, he is not by any means, but he has been, you know, one of the premier, um, you know, I've heard him called, I've heard him called, um, classical. I've heard him called ambient. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a lot of his stuff is you know he's in a lot of scores. Yes, a lot of scores. Yeah, he's in a lot of scores. Um, and uh, but you know, Glassworks is something from I want to say eighty one, eighty two is when that came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and, done and, a couple uh, volumes of it, but th- and, this is the yeah. But that was what I liked about Glassworks was that was an attempt to really make classical music consumable by the pop mm-hmm. music. It, it, does that make sense? It was very mm-hmm. much meant to be consumable. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's, a, you know, that would be an interesting thing to kind of at some point, I think it would take some work to break that one down in an archaeology. Oh God. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's above my, that's above <laughs> yeah, my, I think it, that's what I'm saying. It's too much, but yeah, that's a great, but for a pick here, it was a very good pick for an album, um, to check it out. Yeah. I mean, it's a great access. It's a great, um, early entry point for classical music i think yeah. it's, it, like you said it's very i mean i like how you describe that it's very consumable like it's very yeah. friendly yeah you, you don't have to know a whole lot about classical music to enjoy it yeah i agree but no good good oh, good picks the cigars coop we didn't talk about the cigars yeah i actually just finished mine too this is very good so what yeah give it's me for, yeah because i i love me, that cigar it's it's great. I mean, it, it gives you flavor right out of the gate. Like it doesn't need to warm up a whole lot. Um, you smoke that. It's very fast. rich, but it's got this like, it's got this like sort of rich. It's kind of a strong rich cigar, which you expect from Steve. But what I got out of a coupe, I got this like woody note, but it's like in the background, but it just sort of ties everything together. It's like this slight woody note in the. Construction, everything is great, and like like I said, like it's still producing really well, and I'm smoking all the way down. It's a big cigar. Yeah, um, it, it's it's great a def- cigar. It's a definite. Uh, like I said you smoke that one pretty fast, but it's a it's a good one. There's, you know, I I use with my notes. There is kind of a woody note in there. There's a little bit of cedar in that too, but it, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it has a cedar sleeve on it, but it, I didn't like Sin Compromiso, but I love that cigar. I love the Paladin de Saka. Well, it's that cedar note. It's just a hint of it, though. You it's know, it's a hint of it. The, what I like about it is, yeah, the, the like cedar sleeves are a double-edged sword with me a lot of times, and I'll yeah. tend to remove them right before I smoke them. But like, I'll remove them when I get them, put them in humor. I didn't do it with this cigar. You left because it I, on. when I when I review it, I kind of want to keep it in the form it's in. But you know, for personal consumption, I normally remove this. But I wouldn't remove this cedar sleeve for personal consumption. Yeah, I, think I think the cedar sleeve. I didn't either. I think the cedar sleeve. Is sometimes overkill if it's a if it's like if it's a ma- if it's a cedar cigar anyway, yeah. Like if it has a major cedar note anyway. Like I think this one, it's since it's set, since it's a background note, I think it really helps it out. Yeah, you know, an example like when when the Atabays were in the cedar tube, the tubes with the cedar yes. lining, it was too much yep. cedar for me in those. Yeah, where some, so sometimes it can work against against you on that. But I think this blend, there was enough in this blend where it it kind of held off maybe on. Absorbing all that cedar, I don't know. That's just a theory I have. Not well, a cheap a strong, yeah. strong blend. No, it's not. Yeah, twenty eight seventy five, guys. It's not cheap, but it's well worth no. every cent of it. That's what I'll tell you. I think Matt describes it as a good celebration cigar, and I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would agree with you on that too. It's not. Uh, you know, I would put it right up there with an ultra premium. I mean, yeah, like a Davidoff yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, it's not. Look, it's you can get some very good cigars for. 
uh, everyday smoke. If if you have unlimited funds and you want to smoke Paladin Desakas, go ahead and do it. I, I don't think he ch- chucks these out all the time, but it is an ongoing release. No. Yeah. I think it's worth picking one up, though. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'll even be honest. If you have like the, cash, the bank, if you have the cash, buy buy a uh, buy a box of it. I mean, honestly, if you have oh. the cash, I know it's not cheap, but consider it. It's worth it's worth it. They age well too, because I smoked them throughout the oh, year. Oh, it would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It would age great because it's yeah. such a bold yeah. yeah cigar. Yeah, it's like got a bit of barnyard on it as well. Just a bit of that like mm-hmm. fermented note on it. Yep. Yep. I agree. Oh God! Yep. And touches of coffee and chocolate, dark, a little bit of dark mm-hmm. chocolate on it too. Great cigar. Great, I agree. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, good job, Matt. Um, uh, I'm excited to see where it lands for you. Yeah. Yeah, n- never know if it well if it landed <laughs> or not is the question. We're pre- uh the Escasios. This was great. This was a great cigar. Um, uh, I just put it down. It uh, it's a mild look. Yes, it's a lighter wrapper, but yes, it is a milder cigar. So mm. it's I would put this on the strength body scale about a four, right? Okay, on the medium, medium minus maybe. Um, great. Like I said, I had that buttery cream stuff early. Uh, mm. then it gets a little more citrusy. Uh, but not over, but that it's a nice sweet citrus you get. Uh, touches of, of black pepper. Great retro hail. Um, the burn was a little loose on this cigar. Uh, it was the only mm. the, the draw was a little loose. So I did mm. smoke it fast, but um, nothing adverse. It didn't have any uh, other than it just burned faster. Uh, yeah, you know, it's fine. But but uh, I wish. I mean, hopefully Pete will make more of these. This was a good cigar, really good cigar. I mean, it's something I would definitely pick up a lot more of next time. Nice. Yep. And that's that's it, Coop. That's all we got. Yeah, that's all we got. Um. So again, thanks, Dave. Thanks to our audience as well. Uh, check our schedule when we'll be back. Uh, with the next show as well. We have a bunch of things we're still going to be going through as we kind of get back into the groove for 2023. Mm. Yeah, so looking forward to it, Dave. But that's oh going to wrap up the Primetime Jukebox, episode 86 into the Annals of History for early January 2023. Uh, we will catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. See ya.